The following is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Hacky Reitman. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. Today, we're so lucky to have with us, right here at our Different Brains offices, Jackie Rosen, who's the CEO and Executive Director of the Florida Initiative for Suicide Prevention. Jackie, welcome. I am so happy to be here. Thank you. Well, we're so happy to have you. It's uh, great to see you. You know, you've got such an interesting history, and I'm going to turn it over to you right now to say... How does a nice girl like you get into doing the wonderful work of the Suicide Prevention Initiative? In 1986, we lost our son to suicide. He was 24 years old. We had done supposedly everything that you should do. Uh, We had him in therapy. He was on medication. We didn't let him out of our sight. And we went to bed one night and got up the next morning, and he had left the house day and a half later they found him and he had died by suicide. I decided at that point uh, that I needed a great deal of help and my husband and the whole family. So we went to a support group for the, with the Compassionate Friends, which is a national, an international group of people who form support groups for those who have lost children to any means. Um, there was a group up in Fort Lauderdale, and there was one in Miami, and we lived in Miramar at the time, which was right in between. And um, we decided with a friend I had met at the group to start a group in North Miami. When we started that group, which I was running uh, the programs, there were five families who had all lost 24-year-old children by suicide in that group. Those five families would end up out in the parking lot after the program talking about the differences between our kind of grief from suicide and the general grief from other means. And there were some people in the group that made pretty heartbreaking comments to us. Oh, your child decided to die. Mine didn't. Mine had no choice. Well, that didn't work out too well, did it? So we went and we got together and we formed a group which today uh, is known as the Florida Initiative for Suicide Prevention and we supply all the things that we thought people needed who were grieving and extended it out to other programs that would prevent people from getting to that point, specifically children. And so we have five support groups for people who have lost a loved one by suicide. We have our up coming international uh, suicide, suicide survivors of loss healing day, which is November the 17th, uh, which we have every year a conference where we have people come in. We, have, um, we help the people with information and referrals. And we also have a program that started many years ago called the SUN program, Solutions Unlimited Now, which teaches problem solving because we felt that problem solving is one of the big problems with people getting hopeless and helpless. They don't feel that they can solve or cope with their problems. 
That eventually, we taught all of the counselors in Miami-Dade and Broward schools uh, how to run the program. Unfortunately, due to exams, et cetera, there was no time for the program. So I came up with an idea of creating a club, an after-school club, that incorporated that program and other things that kids needed to work through. And what we've done is we've created a safe place where kids can go after school, they have a teacher in the room, but the kids actually run these clubs. And they talk about problem solving, coping skills, suicide prevention, bullying, substance abuse, communication skills, how do you handle loss, and it goes on and on and on. There's 32 weeks of curriculum. At the end of the year, they produce a Hugs for Hope event where they take what they've learned, they decide how they're gonna present it, and they share it with the entire school. We started with one school. We now have 50. Wow, 50 schools. And it's growing faster than we can do it because we need more help. We're a very small organization. So we're looking for partnering with other organizations for grants and so forth so that we can really expand it. My dream is to have one in every school, middle, high school, and the lower grades of elementary school in the entire state of Florida. Can you tell us about your book, And I See the Butterfly on My Shoulder, right on your shoulder? That's there. right. First, give us the reason for the name and then tell us about the book. The reason for the name is that my son would come home every day and walk into wherever I was and put his hands on my shoulder and rub my shoulders and say, Mom, how was your day? I loved butterflies from the time I was a little kid. I used to collect them. And butterflies symbolize the change from one form to another. We know that energy never dies. And so that's his energy sitting on my shoulder and I carry him with me always. When I was going through my grieving process, I could not sleep. And I would get up and I would start to write. And oddly enough, it came out in poetry. So I would write three poems a night and then I could go to sleep because it, it let me be free of the frustration that I was feeling. And I recommend to all of our survivors that they write, even if nobody ever sees it. It lets them know, because when I started to put the book together, for a long time we put the poems in our newsletters and other newsletters, and I'll tell you a story about that. Uh, when I started to put them together and someone says, please put them in a book, a friend of mine who writes children's books said to me, what are you going to call the book? And I said, well, I always wear a butterfly on my shoulder. And she said, that's the name of your book. What do friends and family do to help someone going through suicidal thoughts? And what does the person themselves, in many cases nowadays, a teenager, right. um, what's the cookbook? What do we do? Very interesting. I do uh, trainings and presentations uh, on suicide prevention, intervention, and postvention. How do you recognize the suicide possibility? How do you intervene to stop that person from dying by suicide? And what do you do to help the family afterwards? 
So there's, there's the question that you asked me. The way that you stop someone from doing it, my favorite word about that is listen. People who are at that point in life where they feel that they have, that they have no other answers, they're helpless and hopeless, they feel, and the research shows they feel like they are a burden to those in their lives, to the world. They have no self-worth. The world would be better off without them. So that's one of the things. They lose their fear of dying, and they feel they don't fit in. That's how they feel. But I use another example. Imagine that you were burned over 80% of your body, and you go to the hospital, and everybody knows how painful burns are. And the doctor walks in and says to you, I'm not sure how to tell you this, but all the pain medication in the world has been destroyed. And we don't know if we'll ever be able to make it again. I can't tell you how long you're going to be in this pain, if there's ever going to be any relief, or if you're going to live this way for the rest of your life. My question is, what would you do? The next step is intervention. What do you do when you think somebody, or how do you know somebody is at that point in life? There are 20 signs of suicide that we hand out to everybody and anybody, including the changes in sleep habits, the change in eating habits, not taking care of themselves, feeling helpless and hopeless, and all of these signs that you look for. And again, listen. Because most people that are at that point in life let somebody know if they know what to look for. So they, 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 and I hear this all the time about teens, which drives me nuts. Oh, they're just being a teenager. They'll get over it. It's part of the growing up process. You've got to listen to really what they're saying and know what to look for. And those three things of feeling that you're a burden, feeling that you have, don't fit in, and the fourth one is losing your fear, a third one is losing your fear of death. Those are the three things that they feel. The world would be better off without them. So you intervene, what do you do? The first thing you have to do is sit down and say, you know, you haven't seemed like yourself lately. Something going on, would you like to talk? You know, I'm here for you. You know, I'll listen and don't judge, don't make judgments, don't tell them how to feel. You just let them vent. And very often that venting will give you the clues that you need that something is majorly wrong. There are five questions you ask a person when you think they're in trouble. Number one, do you feel that you're going to harm yourself? Number two, do you feel that you're going to die by suicide? And when we all talk about that, uh, or kill yourself? Number three, have you made a plan on how you would do it? Number four, do you have what you need to carry out the plan? And number five, do you know or have you decided when you would carry out the plan? A yes to any of those questions, you don't leave that person alone. You get them help then, right away. It's urgent. It's now. Because you don't know how long it will take them to go from, I have a plan, to carrying out the plan. Thanks to Jackie's work, partly due to that, 
the Florida Board of Medicine has now made it mandatory for anyone who's getting or renewing their medical license to take and pass a suicide prevention course. And we've been, we've been begging for that for many, many years. Um, and so that's one of the things, and they're starting to regulate that, they, that the doctor, when they go in for a checkup, do a, a suicide assessment so that they know what's going on and fill out a suicidal um, survey. And then you know that you're dealing with not what are the normal family doctor problems, but you're dealing with a multitude of different possible uh, problems. For instance, for years, they treated substance abuse over here and mental health over here. That's a coexisting disorder. If you don't treat both, it's going to go over again and again and again and again. Because we don't know if the substance abuse is self-medication for a mental disorder or brain disorder, or if the substance abuse creates the brain disorder, which comes first. So we must treat both together, or, neither, or neither of the symptoms will be cured. What are the behaviors or actions where the medical professional or the family has to take what I'm going to call, for lack of a better term, Baker acting motions where you... Well, the first thing is the answers to those five questions. That's when you think about Baker acting. I get calls at my office where people are talking about being so depressed and we keep them on the line. We're not a hotline, but we keep them on the line to get a feeling and ask them the five questions, what's happening? And I will get somebody else in the office to call the police department and say to them, we need you to go out and do a wellness check. See if this person is okay. And then the police will do that. The police will go out. I also do training for police for the crisis intervention trainings for the police officers that are in the crisis intervention training uh, group and they go out for the crisis interventions and go to see. Now they'll ask. Are there specialists within the police? Yes. Oh, nice. Yes, in Broward County there is, and more and more of our police are getting trained with CIT training, crisis intervention training. Excellent. So they will go out and uh, on one occasion the police officer called me and said, "Okay, you made the call. The wife." is asking that you come over now and see what's going on and, and see if you feel that our um, assessment, whether or not we should make or act them, was a good assessment. And I said, that's your job, but I'll come and I'll give support to the wife who's going through this at the point. Um, but they make that assessment. Unfortunately, Baker acting is 72 hours unless somebody can be established to be at risk for hurting themselves or somebody else. And that's the question that they have to answer as a police officer. Is this person at risk of hurting themselves or somebody else? So that's the question that we ask as well. Let's say all efforts at prevention have failed and now a family has had the unfortunate experience of someone who might be young 
committing suicide. Well, let me stop you right there. I ask you in my son's memory never to say committed suicide again. Say die by or died of. Would you say somebody commits cancer? That's a great point, and I stand corrected. I stand corrected, and I've learned something important today. You change the stigma, you change the feeling, you change the, all of the feeling and the discussion about suicide because we emphasize the fact that suicide is due to a brain disorder or disease. It's an illness like every other illness. We have now scans that show the changes. We have ways of seeing the chemical changes and the way that the thing, the lights up in the brain, sure. the way that the neurons are tra transferring information. We now can see that. So what is the proper way to say it? Proper way, somebody died of or died by, just like cancer. Understood. Committing is a terrible word to, to connect to an illness. Absolutely. So we're all learning today. What do you say to the family? You say to the family, I am so sorry for your loss. I'm here for you. Don't say, I'll call me when you need me. Go over to the house. Be there with them. Ask them if they need their laundry picked up or if they need, their, their, they need you to go to the food market. Be there for them. That's the most important thing that you can do for somebody who's grieving for any means, but especially with suicide. Because what happens is many people run away. They are afraid to say your loved one's name because they think they'll make you cry. They don't know how to deal with the whole idea of suicide. They don't know even how to say died of or died by. Um, so they run away. Can you try for our audience to describe from your personal subjective perspective, not a, it's not an objective or it applies to everybody, but just from your point of view, it's been 1986 and now it's 2018, your feelings. I'd say to my people, you never go, get over it, but you learn how to live with it. And you have a choice of making it productive in some way, or staying in the dark for the rest of your life, um, I tell them to find something that brings joy to them about their loved one. With me, butterflies, okay? Every time I see a butterfly, hi, Mitchell. When my friends see a butterfly, hi, Mitchell. Uh, find that one thing that connects you to that person that brings joy, not the bad memories, not the hurt, not the guilt, not the aches and the pains, but the good memory. And connect that to your daily life in some way so that every time you see the sunrise, every time you see an ocean, every time, whatever that connection is, you are able to feel the goodness that you shared with them. That's one way of trying to make it. And I call that making, a, a, taking tragedy and, and making a triumph out of it. So, and that's what I did with the book in a lot of ways. I shared all the feelings that I had in the book uh, and people who read it who have lost someone understand somebody's out there that understands me. 
somebody's out there and I am not alone. And that is one of the biggest things that people who have lost someone by suicide feel because for many years nobody talked about it. So they felt alone. Um, they feel the guilt. Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that? What if I had? Um, fortunately, we had done all the things. We were educated and it still didn't help save his life. There were some things that happened that we had no control over. What do I feel? I say to the people that I help, I get more from helping you than you get from my help. That's where it is. That's what I've done to deal with it. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful. The Florida Initiative for Suicide Prevention what do you find is your biggest challenge? Money. It's as simple as that. People hear the word, the Florida Initiative for Suicide Prevention. They'd rather give to the cancer fund or to this fund or to that fund because they don't always relate to it. But they don't understand that in the state of Florida, our funding for mental health we're the 49th out of 50 states. We were 50th on, sun, on no funding spent for mental health. They don't understand that every three hours there's a suicide in the United States and every 30 seconds there's an attempt. This is one of the widest, biggest health problems in the world, but in the United States it's huge. And if we don't come somewhere to find an answer to help people understand that this is a disease or a disorder that needs to be treated like any other disorder, that needs the research, that needs the medications, that needs somebody to say, okay, I'm going to take this on and I'm going to make a difference. We're gonna keep still losing kids. One of the things that we have research on now is social media. Social media is one of the biggest causes of students getting, quote, helpless and hopeless and dying by suicide. The other thing is I believe tremendously in the change of our society and the way it treats people. The nastiness and division has been a major problem. And I think that through the social media, that's being emulated and it's being pushed and it's hurting so many people so many people. What is one piece of knowledge and advice you'd like to give to our differentbrains.org audience? There's three words that I use, be or, or three groups of words, be aware, care, and share. Share the knowledge you learn, be aware so that you know when somebody is in trouble, and care enough to do something about it. And just like Jackie Rosen, we should all learn to listen more. Listen more. How can people find out more about what you do? Go on our website. That's fispconline.org, F-I-S-P online.org, or call us at 954-384-0344. You can find out all about us and how we're helping kids in 50 schools, not get to the point where they feel they have to die by suicide. Jackie Rosen, it's been a pleasure to have you here and exploring different brains, and thank you for coming 
to our offices here at differentbrains.org and keep up the great work that you do with the Florida Initiative for Suicide Prevention. Thank you so very much, Dr. Production of Different Brains, Inc. For more information, visit us at differentbrains.org.